Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. We like that. All in one place for totally free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your cellular telephone or your computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else, those other places that podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify, and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&As and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions, and best of all, it's totally free zero catch we've been using it ever since we started how long gone and ever since i discovered spotify for podcasters i feel like having the option of turning off the q a's and the polls on the user dashboard <laughs> has really helped uh, boost my creativity and take it to another level i highly recommend giving it a try download the spotify for podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started Hello, Chris. What's up, Big Teach? <sighs> that was a big exhale. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm actually feeling great today. I, uh, I had a great time on my run this morning. Uh, the weather is nice. I'm feeling pretty hydrated. Mm. The, the body's feeling... I'm having a little bit of pain in my quad, but otherwise, I think I can Sarah gun that out before our tennis match at three. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of stuff I'm focused on, TJ. Um, full full body recovery. Hopefully, you're also focusing on podcasting. What do we? Oh, is that what we're doing right now? Yeah, it's time to lock the gates. How long, goners? <laughs> lock the gates. <laughs> what up? Uh, how long, fuck sticks? <laughs> God, I love making fun of Mark Maron. It's it it truly never gets old. I don't understand it. Well, and it it did start getting old right when his girlfriend died. Well, you would have to listen to his podcast to know about that. No, that was that was news. That was that was no, trending that news. Wasn't. That was news, which I mean that is she was kind of she was she was a famous too. a famous yeah. person in her own right. Yeah, I mean that's a that is a very sad story. All joking aside, that shit's rough. But. Yeah, I mean obviously, I don't I don't mean to make make a make a joke um, of of death, unfortunately. But you know that's how us podcasters deal with certain it's real true. situations. Do you have your um, Stratocaster ready to play some sick blues riffs <laughs> at the end of this episode, or are you gonna just are you gonna are, are you just gonna do like a Radiohead sample so it feels more Jason? <laughs> I, I was thinking I'd just pick up the telly and noodle for a bit. Is that cool with you guys? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what I like to do, you know, the best part about him doing that is that he has a fan who, who like, adds f- full band to those riffs and sends it to them and he reposts it. Really? I did not know that. Yes, yes, yes. <sighs> I mean, I guess that's kind of beautiful in, like, a pathetic way. Um you know, it's cool to see collaboration happen across the world <laughs> with uh, uh, with technology, but it is a little. But you know, that's love, that's someone's that's someone's whole life. You know, it I love I love I love collaboration. Um, it's really part of my DNA. But I would say that this is actually where I draw the line on collaboration. Right, right. You're fine with cloud based solutions for your collaboration, <laughs> but not fine with 
happened? With somebody yeah, exactly. taking uh, taking the the raw guitar licks of a podcaster and then you know improvising yes. a musical setting behind it. That is a bridge yeah. too far, and I think yeah. I would agree with you. Yeah, like at the end of this podcast, if I you know happen to feel compelled and spit a hot sixteen freestyle off the mm-hmm. dome, mm-hmm. and then maybe a, maybe a fan of ours were to take that and add some just bumping eight oh eights to it and really mm-hmm. you know create a song out of it. That would be honestly, I'd feel a little disrespected uh, because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't agree to that collaboration, Jason. You see what I'm saying? I, I see, I exactly, and that could be, um, you know, defamation of character depending on how tasty the beats are or are not. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And first of all, I find all my beats on YouTube like all the hot rappers. I only work with 16 year olds from Slavic countries, <laughs> so you only listen to bladey type beat. Exactly, 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 exactly. I was making uh, my girlfriend listen to Blady yesterday in the car, and I don't know what. Are you still together? Or? <laughs> we we are. We were. I was like trying to show her. We like we were kind of driving around, running some errands, and I was showing her like, you know, whatever's going on with the kids nowadays, type of music, and her her understanding and comprehension of it was just like. What the fuck is this? <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, and it's weird because she has a. I noticed early in our relationship that she has a strong disdain against kind of like, like nineties dance type of music. Like that's why her and I get along so well. Well, th- there is a contradiction in play though, because I would, I, you know, she would come see me DJ, and I'd be playing, you know, like cool underground, you know, house music stuff where the drum sounds are maybe a little little artificial sounding but that's sort of the idea and you know you're using these you know these drum machines from the 90s and the 80s that have like a very kind of tinny sound but then you can you know make that into something better and she would absolutely hate that which is you know a trait that you also share but then also she will I'll I'll play her or she'll play a song like share do you believe in life after love and that is like one of her favorite songs of all time, maybe. And it is the it's the epitome of just like cheesy nineties, two thousands kind of terrible drum drum music. But yes, you know, in yes. a way that I like and appreciate. So I'm kinda like, you know, what's the deal, bro? <laughs> well, Jason, let me let me explain. So something we to broke you, up, fam. yeah. Let, <laughs> let me explain something to you, fam. When a chick came to see TJ DJ in his prime, mm-hmm. it, it ain't about the music. It's about your your ass up there smoking a cig in the zone looking hot, yeah. surrounded by fans. It doesn't matter what you're playing. That's a good point. I never came for the music. Yeah, the art of, of EDM style DJing is not one <laughs> it's not uh it's not one sided. It's not it's not no, one dimensional. No. There are a lot of attributes and facets in play and the music often plays second fiddle. I mean, I would like to talk about friends. It's actually of the about show, the vibes, man. Friends of the friends of the show and and personal friends of yours from the EDM community, the Chainsmokers. Yeah, I love um, those guys. Those guys are in a lot of hot water, and you know it's interesting because <laughs> they they remind me of us. You know what I mean in some ways. <laughs> Uh, you know what I mean? Please show me the through line how how that is pieced well, together. Well, two there's two regular white guys trying to do their thing. One is more talented than the other. One is better looking than the other. Uh-huh. We'll let the, we'll let the fans decide who those people are. Yeah, in both in both cases, mm-hmm. um, it's just an interesting parallel. I don't think we would want to expose 
our gigantic global fan base to COVID-19. Uh, uh, but Unless that's what I, they want. Or, well, or it depends. We're on into some freaky like. shit like that is what I'm saying. But what is the check looking like? You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, if you're willing to die and I'm making money off it, that's on you. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the, the chain smoker thing, even though that concert was for charity, sort of, it's kind of like, is it, you know, like, really, what is it worth? And, and I'm sure not all the proceeds went to it. So, you know, the chain smokers in the last two years have made, you know, tens of millions of dollars, you know, them doing this kind of, you know, Firefest style concert in the Hamptons, you know, af- after they give their cut to charity, what are they walking away with? You know, no more than a hundred grand, maybe like, is, yeah, bro, do they the, need that right now? No, they don't need it. But the smokers are craving attention, dude. They've been locked yeah. up in their fucking Vegas penthouses for months, unable to perform. Think about that. What that does to you. Yeah, I know. But it's, you know, it. Is it and is it does it count as as actually performing when it's when it's like a handicapped show like this? Is you know the, the same yes. thing goes for whatever you know any other type of live event like we you know is it worth doing it right now or do you, do we just wait because it's not the same? We'll find out when we announce our how long gone live show in a parking lot in Glendale. <laughs> um, hopefully, hopefully we get it locked in next week. So if you just you know how people are eating in the parking garage of the Galleria. It's going to be kind of something like that. Mm. Um, no mic, no microphones, just kind of a lo-fi kind of kickback. You know what I mean? Uh, with with us hosting, and you guys can just ask questions and stuff. No mask if you don't want to. That's kind of no, up to you. no mask. Yeah, mask is a definite if you want to. But this is not a this is not a cuck podcast. Just to be clear, you know what I mean? <laughs> we we want our fans to be out there living their lives to the fullest. Um, but you know, I think the, the difference is. The difference is with the Chainsmokers live performance in the Hamptons is that it was also sponsored by one of your personal friends um, and his tequila brand, uh, Ja Ja Ja. Fuck Jerry, uh, the memer. Fuck Jerry. I thought you were going to say my good friends at Goldman Sachs, but yeah, I am. No, I am. those are my friends. Those are my friends, bitch. You ain't got friends in that pay grade yet. You look, live in L.A., bro. Uh, look, you know I, I, mean? I, ha- I have the the Apple credit card brought to powered by Goldman Sachs, so. I, you know, I get emails and stuff from them, so I think we have a pretty good thing going. But, uh, but Jaja, Jaja tequila. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. Which now, is, which is fuck Jerry's tequila line, which I assume they started after seeing the success that, um, the fat Jew had with, with his rose company. I was thinking. I was thinking more they were inspired by another duo that we could compare ourselves to. Oh, I uh, know where you're going. Uh, actor famous actor and and uh you know husband mm. and father of of kaya uh <laughs> larger than randy, life character george clooney and and randy gerber uh who is uh what, what's it called again it's called casamigos casamigos how could i forget so i think that we are we are both somehow compare com, we can be compared to the chain smokers and casamigos Mm-hmm. Which I feel like are two iconic brands for us to align ourselves. Yeah, with. we are like if the chain smokers also rode like vintage motorcycles through Chile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's which us, is dude. like it, it, that's kind of the last piece of the puzzle that the that the Smokies needed to complete their 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 coolness. You know, that was They're kind also, of the one thing that was holding them back. 
Exactly. And they're also both really rich. So I would like to point out that that is an attractive quality because I think you guys think we're kidding right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these guys do have desirable qualities. One is married to Cindy Crawford, um, <laughs> which is very cool. And who knows what the chain smokers are doing with those doors closed. That's a good point. Um, you know what? There could be, you know what, Jason, just yeah. thinking a little deeper here, there could be some brand synergy where it's possible that one of the chain smokers will have sex with Kaya Gerber at some point. It's very possible. It's, it's very, it feels possible. I mean, if, if the right Molly is procured, I think there's like a 40% chance that that goes down. The, you know, everybody jokes, you know, nature is healing, ha, ha, ha. But to me... Nature is healing, ja, 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 continue. Yeah, yeah, if that were to happen, if a chain smoker and Kaya Gerber were to enter a consensual sexual relationship, mm-hmm. I think the world would feel pretty good about that. Yeah, that would be one of those telltale signs that you know what things might actually start be going, starting to be uh, going back to normal. Exactly, and I, I think that's something that we at How Long Gone, you know, if we just put that out into the world, who knows? You know what I mean? Like the power, you know, it once it leaves our mouths, it mm-hmm. goes directly to God's ears. Yeah, so a lot of people might joke around about the power of you know asking the universe for what you want and. <laughs> This is sort of, you know, willing a situation like that into existence. Um, And that, you know, that's a power that we have inside of us. Moon Juice, go ahead and sponsor the podcast at any point. Um, Shit, that is a... That is goals AF to have Moon Juice sponsoring this pod. Shit. Just two LA chicks doing a pod, drinking some powders. You know what I mean? That could be us, bro. If we had a fucking ashwagandha promo code, that would fucking... Oh, my Lord. That's something I could actually, you know, tell my Why tell did, my grandkids you know, about. You know, when people say, you know, exposure doesn't pay the bills, mushroom powder pays the fucking bills. Yeah, the, the profit margins on mushies, fantastic. Right <laughs> oh, uh, man. I was I was watching I was watching a Netflix show that that I wanted to recommend to our viewers called Dating on the Spectrum. Are you familiar with this? Um I'm familiar with it from you banging the group chat with it last night, but you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's a show that is not for everyone. You got to be in the mood for it. But if, if you put yourself into the right mindset of it, it's a wild show. It's just, just a dating show. It's, it's like Indian matchmaking or any other dating show like this, but everybody is, is on the autism spectrum and it's one it, it, you experience every emotion possible watching it. I, I I really suggest suggest tuning in, and it was making me, you know, it was making me wonder who else around me, myself included, might have you know some type of spectrum tendencies going on. Look, man, I don't know what the fuck is going inside in that fucking little peanut head of yours, <laughs> uh, dead ass. Uh, well, we you know, aut- autistic people often often commended as geniuses, so. No one said you were a genius, bitch. Keep it moving. Um, <laughs> we do have a guest. We do have a guest today. Um, or a guest who is running ten minutes late, so we can continue to talk a little bit more. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't see that email. Um, it's all right. Wow. Don't worry wow. about it. Okay. Well, I mean, I talked to you a lot, so I'm kind of good. But I guess we can keep going. Um, yeah. Well, shit. How well, was I so- got a zit yesterday. Drop that skincare routine, Chris. Shut up, dude. Jesus <laughs> Christ. You're fucking... Are you... Uh, I, I feel like you're plugging Netflix a little more than I feel comfortable with on this podcast. Are you... I mean, do you want me to fucking talk about Hulu more? What's going on? 
No, I'm just saying if we're gonna if we're gonna juice these streaming sites with our powerful network, I'd like to see a little fucking check from these losers. You want you want some Netflix payola? Well, yes, I'm very. You know, I'm pro payola. I'm pro HGH mm-hmm. in sports, and I'm pro payola <laughs> in the in the in the media for the same reason. Why like, just sports? HGA pro HGH all through aspects of life. Okay, that's fine too. Yeah, I'm, that's all of this works for me. I'm down for all of it. I, I just think it's it's appropriate, and and I, I think that letting people Frankenstein themselves into something insane they never thought was possible could lead to more interesting times in this country. It's making me wonder if uh, I mean, yeah, people have a lot of arguments that way about having you know medicine, sports medicine. HGH steroids, whatever performance enhancing, enhancing drugs, be uh, be allowed in in sporting competitions as you know, and just have it be a separate league. Like here's the NFL, and then here's the NFL on drugs, and you know, that's then, a, it, then it's a, a level playing field, and then you get to really see some fucked up shit. I'm. Are you down? I mean, athlete I, to I, athlete, are you down? <laughs> I I am down, but. I am down for the spectacle of it, but it does have a little bit of, you know, it makes me fear that if that happens, then what happens next in terms of like, you know, physical competition as a means of entertainment versus like the the death of sportsmanship type of thing, where I, I, I guess it kind of felt the same way when like, when like Ultimate Fighting first came around where you're like, this is sick. You know, I have like inherently in my human DNA the desire to watch people like try to kill each other and bloody themselves yeah. in a fight. But then it's also like, what is what's going to happen next when this isn't good enough and the world is in like a dystopian dark place? You I know, think we're there. How how much further until you know? Here's the NFL, and everyone gets a also has a gun or a sword or. Or Honestly, the, 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 the NFL with guns is a very interesting <laughs> modern idea, Jason. Um, yeah, that's the so, real modern warfare, bro. So basically, maybe, well, who has the guns? All the players or just the quarterback? That's actually a great question. We should really flesh this out a little bit because I think at this point, sports are so desperate to come back that we need to twist it where the, the stakes are a little higher than just COVID death. How about murder? Mm-hmm. Be like, yeah, we're we're sad and upset that there's nobody in the stands and we've replaced it with cardboard cutouts of, of season ticket holders and uh, <laughs> sitting shoulder to shoulder with uh, plush life-sized panda bears and, and, and other animal creatures in the stands. That is canceled out and justified by the addition of firearms. And I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Very cool. Because, I mean, the NRA is flush with cash for sponsorship. So the t- the, this is a pretty ESPN, NRA, NFL. That's three organizations that I can fucking stand behind. So that's yeah, perfect. And, I, I, and if we're afraid of the, the barstoolification of, of sports in the world, we, we have to fight fire with fire. And, and strike before they have a chance to take over and just move beyond the bar spool, barstool narrative and then go straight into just murder, you know? I think, I think barstool has is, is walked us up to that line, but we're ready to cross it as a people. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but I got doxxed on Twitter. Um, you got doxxed for your 
um, inflammatory Gwen <laughs> Stefani <laughs> yes. tweets. For an innocuous, f- funny tweet about Gwen Stefani and her fucking brickhead husband, Blake Shelton. People will, I mean, you know, people will come for you on social media for really anything right now. So when when you are just straight up insulting beloved famous people, you got to know it's coming. I, you know, Jason, you're right. I should be educated as a Twitter power user that, mm-hmm. that some refer to as a blue check. Um, I <laughs> honestly, I forget that people don't agree with me on stuff like this. It's so clear that Blake has negatively influenced our queen Gwen. And I just thought everyone agreed. I didn't even think twice about it. I well, you know, welcome to life in the silo, Chris. Well, I know. I live in. I live in. I know. You're well, right. like but yes, I mean, yesterday, to 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 prove my point more of that that people can get upset about much much less um, on on social media. I did a terrible tweet that I'll probably delete. That said, no, that, that tweet is fire. <laughs> <laughs> that's I'm a grown ass man. How do you expect me to watch something called? lemony snickets <laughs> and like people people would you know people it did okay people responded you know with the funny joke here and there blah 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 but there was you know other, somebody was saying like well yeah you know if you were a grown-ass man then you'd be able to appreciate you know a great story oh my or something god like that. oh my god and fucking like, dorks so that's you know you know a, a lemony snicket is a movie from whatever 10 years ago that's based on a childhood fairy tale book that I've never even seen before and nobody has talked about. And somebody is like, you know what? I need to set this person straight about this movie from 10 years ago. I'm so tired of these fucking dorks, man. It's, it's like, it's really hard out here. But I saw also that the, the, uh, the woman who reviewed the new Taylor Swift album for Pitchfork and gave it a fucking 8.0 got fully doxxed. Like her, she had to change her phone number. And, and because former- it wasn't high enough. Yes, and former, <laughs> former guest of the show and friend of the show, John Carmonica from the New York Times, mm-hmm. his his home address and phone number are in the comments on his his story about Taylor Swift. It was also positive. Oh, <laughs> it's insane! It's it's fucking insane! Like fandom, I, I just don't understand what the I, I don't understand what the end game is of these people. Like it, it's just it's demented. Damn. We, I mean, who who would have been able? I, I did they have any of this mentioned in in Orwell's 1984? Any uh, of the fandom stuff? Because I don't I don't think it's something that anyone could have really predicted would become, you know, one of the viruses of our current human race. Well, it's going to really negatively affect criticism, which is I think a lot of, is something that a lot of people think is stupid anyway. You know, like mm-hmm. a lot of people don't understand the necessity for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that is – luckily, there's people like John. I mean, you know, John's dealt with this a million times and Joe who's been on the show has dealt with it too because if you say that Nicki Minaj song is bad, you basically have to log off for two weeks. You have you to know? strap on the flak jacket because it's it's green, green lit at any moment Exa- for you. Ex- exactly. But I, I, I just – Reading about music and the personalities behind it and and what it all means is such a joy of mine that I feel like I need to protect it with my life, Jason. Yeah, um, I don't think there is any hope in sight for people to somehow learn to appreciate criticism again. I think I think that ship has sadly sailed, and it's only yeah, no, going to right. get worse. 
you're right. It's 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 just a. It's also it's interesting to me, and maybe I don't know if this is an age thing or what, but like I I I think I'm able to be critical of someone I'm a fan of. You know what I mean? Like everything mm-hmm. that somebody puts out ain't. That's what's so interesting. These people are like, anything Taylor Swift does is amazing and perfect, and there's no conversation. Mm-hmm. Anything Nicki Minaj does is perfect, and there's no conversation, which is an insane way to live at any age. Yes. The, uh, you know, everyone, everyone knows that, that real criticism can be really helpful, but I think maybe it's just been clouded where you know, everyone has received criticism you know, negatively at some point in their life and hopefully have found a way to realize that it was helpful. So I think like deep down people know it and they know that it's, it's a good thing and and it helps, but, but now they have the ability to just remove that negative part from their, from their life somehow. They, like they hacked humans to not have that be an issue anymore. That discomfort of somebody telling you something that you did was not the best you've done. It's it's where are we going, bro? Um, bro. Thank God we have podcasting. Good point. Well, um, yeah. Let's talk about our guest today, Leon Nafak. Nafak. I, I. It's a tough word to pronounce, but he is the um, he's the previous host and and creator founder of the very popular podcast Slow Burn. He has his own new podcast now called fiasco which is kind of a similar vibe but he comes from the the podcasting elite world of investigative journalism and episodic shows you know couldn't be more opposite from the, the style of podcasting that we do which <laughs> i this, think is, is really amazing is this our first podcast elite guest yeah i think so. yeah it is i mean we've had other podcasters on before who were but this is no this is top tier podcast. this is harvard grad podcast you know what i'm saying yeah this is we got a t- we got a tv deal yeah i mean slow burn you know it really is like top five podcasts in the world right now like not in a not in its category or not you know for a certain type of subject but just like off rip. period period Damn, that's that's big fire. All right, well, so yeah, cross our fingers. Hopefully, um, hopefully we don't fuck this up. I know. I hope he's nice to us. I feel like I feel like we could get ended here. You know. <laughs> All right, let's give him a call. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Say goodbye to swiping left on lackluster meals and swipe right for the one brand that will make your taste buds swoon. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions... Speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, I like to chop myself, or quick microwave meals that are assembled in minutes, Home Chef has you and your entire family covered for delicious meals, witty options per week, and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. I'm keto now. Not only is it convenient, but it is also economical. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 Per month on groceries. Mamma mia. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering my listeners, 
our listeners, 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert faux life at homechef.com slash how long. That's homechef.com slash how long for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash how long must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. How Long Gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. As you know, you know, hair thinning is quite complicated. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health. Uh-oh. And internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and most importantly, grows. Nutrafol's whole body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker, stronger hair. Go ahead, give it a tug. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth suppy with over 1 million people seeking thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with considerably less shedding. Thank God. Take the first step <laughs> to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code how long? All one word. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. I got Raf on the nut. <laughs> Dot com promo code how long. That's Nutrafol.com promo code how long. How long gone is brought to you by our dear friends at BetterHelp, Jason. BetterHelp. You know, the summer travel season is coming up. Luckily, my BetterHelp therapist also fancies themselves a bit of a travel agent. So for maybe the first half of our sweet sessions, we were spent off, obviously off clock going through, you know, hotels, ferries, <laughs> car rentals, restaurant recommendations. It's as if I have two wives. I have two wives inside of me. and uh, Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, so uh, it, it is a fun way to find and connect different therapists. You get one that you really like. You guys are gossiping. You guys are chit-chatting. You guys are talking about your personal interests. Next thing you know, it's time to actually do the work. So it feels good building those uh, mental health relationships with people you actually like. And on BetterHelp, there are... So many different therapists to choose from. I don't like anyone. If you're thinking of starting <laughs> therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash howlong. Nice. It'd be great if yeah. you could go in the closet and close the door and turn the light off, if you don't mind. <laughs> you joke, but that's what we've been we 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 make we've been we've we've been doing these seasons, you know, that are all constantly that constantly you know lead to us interviewing people like in their eighties, uh, and we have to like since COVID we've had to like not you know we haven't made anyone go into their closet, but like we we do have to like ask them to like download a specific app on their phone and like sit in a particular way and like hold the phone a particular way. Is not not easy. Are you eighty year old? No, dude. That's that's a different job than you signed up for. Um, <laughs> are you are you guys like doing the thing where you send equipment to people so that there's like a consistency across sound? Yeah. So we have um we haven't been doing that so far. Uh, basically, like we and it doesn't matter. It's a boring boring technical <laughs> thing that I don't really understand myself. But we like bought a device that 
kind of like lets them call us on their phone, but it sort of sounds like studio. Um, Whoa! Yeah, could you, could you could you send us a link to that after the show? Is there a, prom, <laughs> uh, a promo code that you guys have? Because uh, this, is, this is literally built for I think, us. I think we paid. Like, I think we paid like three grand for it. And uh, okay, we're out. We're out. <laughs> Never mind. We we haven't signed a TV deal yet. So let us catch up. Just give us a second. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, it, it, it was like, it was a big expense, but it, it doesn't make everything a lot easier because, you know, there, there are these like apps you can, you know, download on your phone, turns the, turns the microphone into like somehow makes it better. I don't know how that was, how that even works, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, but it, Love it, like, it better the phone number. Do you, do you have any interest? Cause on this podcast, you know, the, the split of duties is, is based on who's better at what, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So. Yeah, I, I have absolutely no technical know-how, uh, and I have no interest in learning about it. And I, I do you do you find yourself more interested or less interested now that it's like your job all the time? Uh, I'm definitely interested. Um, it's just usually a matter of like what, whether I have like time to like learn something, uh, and like I, you know, I like the equivalent of you know how like in, in tech there's like non-technical founders. Yeah, it's just like the the doofus like who had the idea, and then he like had to you know has to like surround himself with, with people who actually know what they're doing. That's like me. I, like, I, I, I was a print reporter and I, and I kind of found my way to audio, but like, I don't, I don't know how to use pro tools. You know, it's like, it's a real, hell yeah. Uh, Leon, I, I really, gangster, I really, baby. I really, de- <laughs> I really depend on other people. Yeah. Yeah. So. But that's, that's, that's doofus in the most ideal situation. I would argue, you know, it's like, you know, when you don't, when you don't have a pickup truck, nobody asks you to help them move. When you're bad at everything, you know you can just be you, and you're and you're good. It's the singer. It's the singer who doesn't play an instrument or write lyrics. That that's what that's what I would equate it to. Do you um you know do you do you ever yearn for this more casual style of podcast where you just kind of you know grip it and rip it improvise style? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I I never I never really I was I was I was never on a talk show. you know, I just went straight into like narrative documentary. Um, mm. But uh, it, it, it's not, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think it's like the thing I'm best at is a contemporaneous, you know, talking. I think I, I, I do better if I can think about it ahead of time. But mm-hmm. um, I definitely, you know, we have other shows that we, that our, that our studio produces that, um, that are more like that. We have one about, uh, it's called five to four, five to four. And it's, uh, it's, it's the tagline is the podcast about how much the Supreme court sucks. And it's every week. It's like these three, leftist lawyers talking about uh a different supreme court case from history that was terrible for one reason or another and it's a talk show you know it's it's yeah. like they're they're making making jokes and 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 you know interacting with each other uh and so uh you know it's i i, I get I, I have that outlet too i think it's show, su- but i it's, think it's you know. super interesting to get people like a lawyer involved in the medium because i think we're so used to it being like comedians or journalists that I think opening uh-huh. it up, opening it up to like new people that have voices and are very comfortable doing it, but are actually experts in something is, a, is an interesting approach. I feel like I don't see that very often. I hadn't thought of it that way, but I appreciate it. And I agree. <laughs> you, you know, you know what I mean though? It's like every, I feel like, I, I feel like that's something that's kind of special. Um, and that, that could, could stand out if the, if the topic is interesting enough. And lawyers, I mean? lawyers do be talking. So it does. That's, make sense. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Lawyers literally talk for a living more than, more than a radio host. So <laughs> I, I do think they are, are apt to do it. Um, so, um, <clears throat> you, right now you are, uh, in the middle of releasing your new season of fiasco. 
we're like in the middle of, uh, of, of finishing it and we're, we're going to start releasing it in, uh, in August on August 13th is when the first episode comes out. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it, 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 we're like, we're finishing the last episode, uh, right now. How um, are you feeling scheduling wise, bro? You guys, you guys good? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it could always be better. Um, sure, I feel sure. like, I feel like every, every, every season we've made starting with, with, you know, the first two seasons of slow burn, uh, there's like, like a bigger chunk of the, or like every, every season, like a smaller chunk of the overall production schedule is like nightmarish, you know, like, yeah. so, so on season, first season of slow burn, it was like, the whole thing was kind of like, just like <laughs> teeth. What's, what's the expression? Uh, white knuckle, white knuckles. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, you're, you're laying the track then, while the train is moving. Yes. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And so, and then, you know, the second season was like a little bit less and, now it's a lot less. Now it's like sort of concentrated. It's like two months out of a six month, you know, cycle, which is a lot more manageable. But we're definitely we're definitely in those two months right now. We're you know a lot of a lot of late nights and and, and weekends and, and and all that. How many what's people this? do you have on on staff over there helping out? Yeah, that's a, that's what I was going to ask. Actually, what's the what's the squad looking like? So the the fiasco squad is um, five full time uh, producers. Is that right? No, sorry. I was it's hard to it's hard to count whether someone's full-time or, or part-time and it's uh because because it's the main thing they're doing but it might they might have other jobs on the side mm. but anyway let me take that again five uh, permalancers yeah no but we don't even it's not that though it's it's uh i guess that is it isn't it yeah i guess, that's, <laughs> that, is, I guess that is basically it um you know so we, so we have we have we have me we have our executive producer andrew parsons uh we have two producers who uh started with us pretty much right away um, and then the, the fifth person I was talking about is, is just someone who doesn't work on Fiasco. She's full time, but she works on some of our other shows. Um, mm. And so then we have, you know, we have, we have a part time fact checker, we have a part time archival researcher, um, and that. Uh, and, and we had, and we for this for this season, we had two two additional producers who, who helped us, um, who came in just for this third season. And when yeah. when you're when you're putting this team together, is that does that happen kind of do you get a budget from I guess this this show is on luminary so do they give you a budget that yeah. you're able to hire everyone from or is does the do Exactly. They, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm, exactly I'm kind of fascinated by how that side of everything works. I didn't know if you you know you assemble the team and then they just buy it off of you or if they give you a production budget. Yeah, no, that's exactly how it works. They basically signed us for a, a distribution deal that that comes with a certain amount of production funding uh, per year. Uh, and so we were able to sort of spend that how we like. Um, and, uh, that's where, you know, that's where the salaries come out of and, Mm -hmm. you know, paying for archival research and equipment and all that stuff. I love hearing about how real podcasts work, Jason. I tell you what, man, if we, if we hired, (laughs) if if we hired a fact checker, we'd be out of business. That's, that's, that ain't. (laughs) Yeah. Fact checker is not what we need right now. That is not, yeah. That's not something I'm looking. I'm interested in. So um, then, at, so then, at that point, you're, so you know, you can you can outsource all of the the cheap labor and then pocket that money if you were to follow the the business model of making movies or television or music. Uh, wait, sorry, I don't think I understood the question. <laughs> it was, it was, it was more of like you know the world of getting like if you're producing an album. You know, you get that production budget, and you know, as long as it gets done, that money is spent however you want, kind of thing. Do you yeah, do you yeah. feel inclined to be more responsible with that production budget because it's a podcast and a little more? I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I would be less inclined to just blow 
blow the advance, Same. as it were, Same. for a podcast versus you know recording Leon, an album did, or Leon, 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 do you have a Porsche or a Ferrari? <laughs> That's kind of what I was getting at. Sorry. Uh, no, I definitely uh, we definitely don't don't uh, cut corners on the budget. We do spend all of it for sure uh, on the show. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know. They teach you that if you don't spend it all, you, you won't get as much next time. So that's good. That's, that's good true. Bus- that's there good go. business. That's good business practices. Yeah, that's there you go. <laughs> so, what what is the third season about? If you want to walk us through it. Yeah. So, so the third season. Um, so, we, in the past, we've done you know scandals. We've done these political scandals. We did Watergate. We did the Clinton Lewinsky uh, impeachment scandal. We did uh, the Iran Contra scandal most recently. And this is. A, I've been saying that this is. If it sounds rehearsed, I've been saying. Um, it's about a different kind of scandal. It's about school segregation, uh, in okay. public schools. And, uh, it tells the story of specifically how this, uh, the process of desegregation played out in Boston. Um, I don't know if you get, is the phrase of the Boston busing crisis ring any bells for you guys? Like, is that, a, a, I would, a, I, I read, we, heard before? I heard it when I was researching you for this podcast so i would love for <laughs> yep. you to to explain it a little bit yeah the like- only the only thing that we really know is that boston is extremely racist but <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> well so part of the reason you know that part of the reason you have that impression i think is like is 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 the is the story we're telling in the show it's like mm-hmm. the, these these years in boston when black activists kind of succeeded at at putting the problem of school segregation uh front and center sort of in the city's uh, consciousness and it caused an, you know, an enormous backlash on the part of, uh, you know, white parents and, and white students who, who didn't want to go along with the desegregation plan. They didn't want to go to school, uh, with black kids. They didn't want to send their kids to schools, uh, in black neighborhoods. And, you know, what, what became known popularly as the Boston busing crisis is this period of a few years in the mid seventies when, uh, when, when, when desegregation was happening in Boston, when bus, you know, when busing, uh, when, the, when children were bused from one school that was in a, you know, let's say a white neighborhood and bused to a school in a black neighborhood and vice versa, um, it, it went really badly in Boston. It was, it was, it was years of, you know, terror, you know, racial terrorism, uh, violence, um, kids, you know, not going to school. Um, and it was a real, I think, you know, a real trauma for Boston. And it sort of became known as sort of, you know, the, 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 the poster child for why busing uh, as a means of desegregating schools doesn't work. Um, mm-hmm. and it became very powerful in that way because in, you know, in a way people sort of gave up on desegregation. Like our schools are incredibly segregated today and, um, liberals, you know, don't even really talk about it that much because everyone is so haunted by the, by the specter of busing. Um, and so in our, in our podcast, you know, we tell the story of how desegregation became uh, a top issue in Boston and, and how the, the actual desegregation plan was carried out, um, and why everyone, I got so angry. Mm-hmm. How many episodes is it? Seven. Mm-hmm. Is this is Seven this episodes. something? How familiar were you with this this the crisis, or did you discover this like researching a concept for this season? So I didn't know anything about it. Um, I don't. I, I don't mind admitting that because I feel like I, I feel like I. Have I, as I, as I do every time with these with these seasons, like I basically know nothing uh, going in. Um, I know about as much as like I hope our audience knows, yeah. um, which is to say, like maybe I've heard the phrase Boston busing crisis. Maybe you know for past seasons, like I sort of knew the deal with Nixon and Watergate. I kind of knew yeah. there were tapes, you know, but I, it was just like these kind of dim, you know, like dim like objects in my head that I didn't know how they went together, and so 
I try not to, you know, I try to embrace that and sort of sort use myself as like a, as a, um, what do you call it? Like a surrogate for the audience. Cause I, mm. I, I sort of am able to imagine someone kind of like myself who's, you know, well enough educated, but like doesn't, doesn't know the details of, of these extremely important uh, events from history. I, I think that's the, I, I think that is a, a, a common reality among like people that are smart and engaged. You just can't know everything. You know what I mean? And there's just stuff that we all miss. So I do think that, that approaching it that way probably is more appealing to the listener too, you know? Yeah. I feel like it, it allows us to like predict like what's going to feel novel or what's going to feel familiar. You know, if we just sort of use ourselves as like the barometer, there's no yeah. way to obviously predict that whatever, you know, how you're going to get experts listening. You're going to get people who never heard of it listening. So you can't, you can't yeah, please true. everybody, but True. And that's, I mean, and that's sort of a little bit different than the slow burn style, which were news stories that were a lot more publicly known. I'm assuming. Uh, I think it's pretty similar uh, in terms of in terms of what kind of stories we're looking for. Like we're we're looking for stuff that, um, you know, maybe zooms in a little further than than what you read about in your history book. Like you mm-hmm. you might you might hear an interview with with a you know someone who was a who's 25 years old and working as a lawyer, you know, behind the scenes on the Iran Contra, uh, inquiry, you know, someone who was like doing mm-hmm. the, doing the, the dirty work or the, the gopher work. Um, you know, we try to, we try to both, we try to talk to both like the central players in, in, in the stories we, we cover. Um, someone like Linda Tripp, you know, who we interviewed for the Clinton podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also try to find people whose names aren't, you know, aren't well known people who are there and who are watching this stuff unfold from up close. But, uh, have not necessarily given a million interviews about it. Mm-hmm. How, has it been super challenging doing this during during COVID, or have you guys been able to kind of just, you know, like you said, download a program and kind of make it happen? It fucking sucks. No, I, it's, <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, and we, and I, I mean, Andrew, our, our 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 EP has done an amazing job of like getting all our systems up and running, and I think we're getting really good sound uh, in the end, and we're getting. You know, uh, we're, you're not going to be able to tell. I think in, in five years that this show was made during the pandemic, but um, but it's it's just a pain in the ass, man. It's just like you gotta you gotta. As I was saying before, like you you have to walk your interview subjects through the process of downloading certain apps and like holding the microphone a certain way. Um, in some cases, yeah, we're like we're we're sending people recording kits in the mail. Um, everything just takes longer. Like yeah. you know, you can't doing doing interviews over the phone just isn't great in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, even over zoom, which we do sometimes. Um, so it just, it just makes everything a little harder. We've had to, you know, we've had situations where we've gotten bad sound, um, for one reason or another, we had one guy who, uh, his mic was backwards, um, when he was recording <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we, we listened, we listened to it afterwards. We're like, we gotta, you know, we gotta ask him if he'll do this again. And he, um, he, in the end, he, he graciously said that he would, and he did, um, but he was, you know, yeah. he was kind of taken aback. Are you going to do that again? You know, did it? I, did I, it I yeah, I would. I would literally him. just quit doing the podcast if something like that happened. <laughs> yeah, did I mean? Did he? Did he? Did it hit the same like the second time around? Or like, did he? Yeah, was it he, was better. It was better. Oh, and, that's and, good. And I'll tell you. It always had, is, Chris. We've had the situation three times. We've had to do three interviews twice, uh, and each single time, every single time, it's, it's better the second time. So I'm always happy we did it. Because see, I go Not into just the bo- sound. I, like the shit they say is better. I go mm-hmm. in the booth. I don't write anything down. I do it once and I leave. So I don't know. You know, I don't know if that would work for me. You know what I'm saying? Just as, a, <laughs> as an artist. But I guess that second time around, it makes sense, I guess, because they're more comfortable, especially if this is something new to them. 
it always surprises me because I would always assume that, that, that it would be um, worse. I would always assume it would feel a little rehearsed or like they're just like trying to remember what they said the first time. But for some reason, yeah, people remember more details. Maybe they feel like maybe, maybe one, maybe like it feels to them like they have to give me something new that they didn't give me the first time. Oh, you know, that's a, wanna, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I don't know. I think I, mean, I think it's that, and I think it's it's just being comfortable because you already know exactly what's going to happen. Like uh, I know, like stand up comedians will record, you know, three or four different live shows of the same material over and over again, and then you know pull what you know the best the best stuff from from each one. And I think it's just like getting over the hump of like I'm being interviewed, you know, for a big podcast right now. This is weird and nervous, and and that's gone. When we when we started doing this during quarantine and and over the phone was the only way to do it, I started to actually think that over the phone made people feel looser and it was a little more casual um, versus in person. I guess it depends on the subject matter being discussed, though. Yeah, definitely. I I think for us, it actually kind of works, which I was surprised to think. Thank God. Did you guys? um, Yeah. yeah, Did you guys have a studio and everything built out that you kind of have to put on ice for now? Yeah, we, there's a there's a studio sitting in a co-working space in Gowanus right now. Uh, They're all in Gowanus, aren't um, they? Yeah, a bunch of a bunch of them are. We're across, like we're we're across the street from another podcast company, and you know there's another one upstairs from us. Yeah, there's a bunch there's a bunch in Gowanus. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. We're, we're I, I I I've been recording in my closet um, actually. Like we, <laughs> I have like a I have like a and right now I, I'm I'm in a airbnb with a, with my wife and a bunch of our friends uh including some of your friends uh joe and carrie um i love this energy not- i love i love the synergy there leon i love the synergy <laughs> they they're like they're like don't mention us on the podcast i was like i, I think i think, I think how can, how, how can uh, we not mention two legends when it's organic yeah. you know i mean that would be disrespectful <laughs> i would think that would be disrespectful are you guys so you uh, got- go ahead chris are you guys basically like a writer's camp? Like, are we, is an album going to come out of this or like, what's the vibe? <laughs> like, what's the vibe? Uh, no, it was actually a lot more like that. Um, in, in April, May. Um, cause we, 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 my wife and I, my, my wife, Alice and I were in, uh, in, in Rhinebeck with, with the two of them. And, uh, there like Alice was working on her book. Joe was working on his book. Um, I was working on the podcast. Carrie was working on, on, on pieces and it was like, uh, yeah, it really did feel like a like a little colony. Um, Sounds like a damn, damn Wes Anderson movie going here, here on. It does, it, does, it does. That's a Netflix Wes Anderson exclusive coming soon. I can see it now. <laughs> damn. Is it? Um, how do you feel about you know transitioning from a a writer in in the print print world into podcasting and then you know finding some pretty high success and you know financially speaking specifically in the world of podcasting, did you think you were, this was going to be something that you can not necessarily get rich off of, but have like a pretty healthy living doing? No, I mean, I, I also I, don't I, know I, how um, rich you are. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think like, I think the thing that, that I, that made me feel like you, know, like it was the right, that it was the right move was that I remember like when I was growing up, uh, or like not when I was growing up, when I was like, when I was like in my early twenties working in journalism, out of college, like I had this fantasy, I think like a lot of people my age did, like we were all going to write for the New Yorker and, you know, write these long pieces, you know, narrative journalism, uh, you know, works narrative journalism that, that, that were going to come out twice a year. And, mm-hmm. and then, you know, the, the reality is that like those jobs are few and far between now. And, 
you know, I, I sort of was at Slate. I was writing, you know, for the web, and uh, that meant often like there were weeks when I was, you know, waking up and like wondering like what's what's like what's the thing that I will be able to put in onto the internet today that will like make a little bit of a you know get any little bit of attention or you know be a little bit different than what other bloggers are are, are doing. Mm. Um, and it's, I, some people are really good at that, and I'm I don't think I'm one of them, or at least I'm not. It's not like what I'm best at, and I think when I found podcasting, it was like, oh, this is the, this is a version of the thing that I imagined as a 20 year old, which was, you know, right. You kind of spending like six months inside one story that you're really kind of building from whole, you know, whole cloth rather than mm-hmm. sort of just reacting to whatever everyone else is talking yeah. about, which just like didn't, 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 didn't make me, uh, do it. You know, I just wasn't doing anything good. Um, uh, and so this is better. I think like, this is like, this is a kind of work I'm, I'm better at. So I felt, you know, there was the, I felt lucky that I found it because um, it wasn't obvious to me that that's what podcasting was going to offer me. Yeah, that's, I mean, but you're still, I mean, you're scripting a lot of stuff and you still get to write, obviously. So that's oh, a yeah, part, yeah, part for of sure. the, big part of the process. So it's like a happy, it's, it's sure. kind of the marrying of worlds for you. Do you remember the yeah, first I mean, podcast think, that you listened to, Leon? Uh, it was probably a, one of those Slate shows uh like slate political gap fest or culture gap fest. Really, i mean they started so much earlier than everybody else mm-hmm. yeah um, and for for terms of narrative podcast probably and probably serial honestly um i yeah, yeah i've been listening to you know i've been listening to like radio you know, radio narrative uh like radio lab and mm-hmm. i guess radio lab was a podcast before Serial was yeah so maybe radio lab was actually the first time that i kind so- of heard like a long audio story so you don't listen to Joe Budden every week or just like bi-monthly? <laughs> like what's, I don't know. I, I, I just get it aggregated on hotnewhiphop.com. I just, I, okay. I just get the highlights. Chris, cool. are you still listening to Joe Budden? I was actually at a friend's last night, Emil, our friend Emil, and he, he was talking about the Joe Budden podcast and how he thinks they might be getting an Apple deal, um, which was because Apple obviously trying to keep up with Spotify. You know what I mean? But the Joe Budden podcast is good and I stand behind it. Um, it sounds like Leon stands with me. Uh, so, Jason, you're the odd man out here. I, I mean, I just never listened to it. I never uh, thought to give it give it my attention. I think that the narrative. I think there's just there's two moods in the world, and the serious narrative, really well produced podcast is one, and shooting the shit is the other. And there's like kind of no in between for me. And Joe Budden is that good at shooting the shit? Yes, he okay. is. <laughs> he, he he really is, but I do think that like because because it's like I think when you make a podcast, do you, do you find yourself listening anymore, or are you kind of like I'm good, I listen too much, I have to think about this shit too much. It, it's more the latter. I, I I kind of stop listening when, especially like when we're in this stretch that I'm for in right sure, now. For uh, sure, I just like can't yeah I can't 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 listen to other other stuff because I you, know, my brain are you listening like, to about, yeah are you listening to music. Yeah, not even. I gotta be honest, not even. I mean, like, I, I, um, mm. I, I don't. Yeah, not even the not Headspace app. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, you're not right. even the head, not even the Headspace app. Damn, yeah. bro. Not even the Harry um, Styles Headspace reading. You're fucking up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I still get, I still get songs. You know, I still like Joe, Joe and Carrie play me songs. I, I, I still, I still hear, still hear some, some things that are that are new. But I don't know. We we started listening to a lot of John Prime. In, in, a, in that in that house that I mentioned before, where Good we were April May. Okay, I'm with, I'm, with, I'm with that. I mean, I do think that when you're working and especially writing, it's difficult to listening. For me, at least, it's difficult to listen to 
like music that I know with like lyrics that I'm familiar with, it kind of takes me out of it a little bit. Um, but I, I think that everybody, you know, everybody does it different. Yeah. Like I haven't even listened to the new Taylor Swift album. Like I, 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 right, I would have thought right. I would have gotten, gotten to it by now, but it hasn't happened. Okay, Leon, we'll give you an hour and we'll just call you back and then we'll do, <laughs> we'll do another 30 minutes on the, on the Taylor Swift. I mean, with stuff like that, it feels so urgent, but also like that conversation, to be honest online, that conversation is basically over already. Is the reality yeah. of, how, of how fast things move? Like it, it carried on through the weekend, and then it'll, it'll it's already petering out, and then by the end of the week, it's people have moved on completely. Um, yeah. Which is, I think, the beauty of this approach to treating podcasting like television and episodic style. Um, I think is a really interesting way to do it, and it makes sense with what you guys are doing. Um, but with stuff like what we do and, and some of the stuff I listen to, it feels like you have to do it every week or more to keep people entertained for sure. and like engaged. Yeah, sure. um, but man, I wish we could do this shit seven times, Jason. Just on the every day. day? No, not every day. Just totally. Just seven times. Oh, just seven times. Oh, seven, seven times. times total. Seven times every three months. That that's a good fucking schedule for me. That leaves me a lot of time to exercise, <laughs> and see friends, and go out. Yeah, to but eat. Pe- people who produce podcasts that have seven episodes spend so much more time working. No, on I know, them. I know, I know, I know. Did you grow up? Did you grow up? Were you a big music head? Yeah, yeah. I only, I only, I think, and I, I haven't like really said this out loud. If I, if, and I, maybe I've stopped listening to, to music as, like the way I used to, but and you probably, you guys, you guys have probably heard people say that on the show before. I mean, just given the age we, we all are, like, yes, I, 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 I got, even, even like up until like maybe a year and a half ago, I would have these playlists that I, that I would make on, 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 on iTunes that were just like the season and the year, and so like I would just add songs, new songs that I heard that I liked onto that playlist while that season was happening. So I would get like. You know, summer of 2016, there's like 45 songs on there. Uh, and then, then you have fall of 2015, and there's like 40 songs on there. And they're, you know, they're, they're little time capsules, and there's the songs I want to listen to at the time. But like for the last year, I just, I, I, I've just been adding to the same playlist from whatever it was, like winter of 2019. And it is not, I'm not, I'm not adding enough that, that, that it's worth making a new one. And you don't even uh, have well, kids I'm, yet, do you? I've slowed down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't even have. I don't even. I don't even have kids yet. <laughs> Just imagine what the what the listenership will go. I'm will sorry. I'm sorry that I'm sorry that Jason is acting like your mother. I apologize for him. Um, but but I, I do think that keeping up with new music. I think because I'm on the internet so fucking much, it's kind of easy for me. Um, but if I had to do, if I operated the way you had to operate and kind of like really get in and like do something the way you're doing it, I think it's hard to keep up. It moves so fast. And it's like, how much can you care? You know what I mean? And I, I think as yeah, you get older yeah. as, a, as a music fan, the amount of mu- music that you actually like and want to listen to, it goes down. And I think it's just harder to find. It's more work. Were you a, Leon, were you a hip hop head or were you a punk hardcore type? Uh, Those are the I only two you can choose. Time, t- times I had, t- I had both time I had times of both. Uh, I think I, I mean I definitely started out listening just to to rock music and you know Nirvana was my favorite band and from third to sixth grade probably and then like there was a period in middle school I listened to like ska and punk, <coughs> uh, which I learned about learned learned about at summer camp. Uh, wow, I would love to I would love to know which hottie introduced you to ska at summer camp. That's really that's a whole podcast <laughs> it just, in it was, itself. 
It was an indirect. It was it was it was a hockey, but it was indirect. It was the, the, the two these two girls that I was in summer camp with were. Oh, well, actually, this is funny. Like I remember one of them uh, had loved this fucking band that she talked about all the time. That sounded like sounded so uh, exotic to me that I'd never heard. Uh, and I thought, just thought it must mean that she was so cool. And the band was the Bare Naked Ladies. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but in my mind, she was like, you know, she just had this taste, you know, on, on a different level than me. I, I had no idea who the Bare Naked Ladies were. Um, but she, she and her friend, she and she and her friend, like, hung out with the, the two guys on our floor who were really into punk. Like one of them, I remember, had his, his guitar in his room with him. Like he he brought it with him when he came to camp. Um, the hard. other one like was in, was in the sky and he would go to the record store during like free, free time and he would bring back new Scotties. And so that was like, and because that, because those two girls were into those two guys, I was like, I got to get it. Of course. I got to get up with Scott, you know? Wow. Wow. Damn. Yeah. And well, I remember, I remember a couple months later after summer camp, after summer camp, mistakes were made. Yeah. But and, and then <laughs> after summer camp, I went to, I went to the Scott against racism tour. Uh, in Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And, and and I saw that guy and I and I from my floor who was in the sky and I and I saw him. I was like, yeah, I'm here, I'm here. That's right, I'm bitch. Here. I'm here. I love ska. Okay, don't get it twisted. <laughs> I love ska. So did you grow up outside of Chicago? Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In Park, Illinois. Yeah, Chicago has a pretty rich musical history, though, as far as like you know venues and bands and like being able to see things. I feel like that's a pretty good city to grow up in. Yeah, there was a, I, I, I um, you know, there were there were venues that I remember like imagining like as these i don't know i i just I wasn't allowed to go until i was a little older and so and I, there were a couple of times my, my 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 dad would take me to a to a show or i remember there was one time uh oh god this is i forget who was headlining it might have been like it would have been like a less than jake or a catch 22 or a band like that maybe mustard plug oh uh, yeah and wow, so you so <laughs> leon goes deep and, and leon yeah and, and, <laughs> I'm sorry. Less than Jake has some heat, though. I want to go on the record as saying less than Jake has some heat. I agree for sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, so, so we were we were going to that show for my best friend's birthday party. Uh, it was like his, you know, it was him and me and maybe three other, three or four other other kids. Um, and his parents, you know, wanted to come with with us because it was, we were probably seventh grade. He was maybe in sixth grade, and uh, they didn't want us to go alone. And it was 1997, I guess, or maybe eight. Um, and the opening act was a band called Bowling for Soup. And no. they, uh, <laughs> they, 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 um, no, I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm speaking ill of Bowling for Soup. It was, that was a different time. This is the, sorry, the opening, let me take that again. The opening act was a band called Sloppy Seconds, uh, which I had never heard of before. Oh, and, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, they they were playing their opening set. We were all there. This, my friend's parents were in the back, and the lead singer says in between songs, "Like we want to dedicate this next one to the trench coat mafia of uh, <laughs> of, uh, of Columbine." And then the song the song was called "Let's Kill the Trendy," and the the, the cap the cap, like the chorus was "Let's Kill the Trendies," and the parent the parents just like immediately were like, "What the fuck is this?" Like. Where have you brought us? Like, we are. Should, should we leave? Uh, it was so brutal. Uh, Damn, that's re- that's really funny. Actually, Jesus Christ. I mean, 
I've seen I've seen a lot of bands I would be embarrassed about, but Leon, you just named like seven in a row. That's that's like an impressive. Honestly, I'm I'm impressed, dude. That's like less than Jake. I saw many times, but partly because they're from Gainesville, Florida, and I'm from Atlanta, so there was like uh-huh. a, you know it's very close. So you just see a band like that all the time. I have three Jason- three bros listening to this podcast right now who are like, oh my god, I can't believe these guys are talking about mustard plug right now. This is Jason- this is making my life. Jason, being from Orange County, Jason, you trying to be in denial of your ska, I, I'm sure you have seen plenty. Yeah, ska was around, but you know, it was kind of like a mosquito. It was something that you had to deal with and, and not embrace, per se. Well, much, much like pop punk, though, ska had an interesting flirtation with like the mainstream. You know, which is, I think, yeah. the, the period that you're talking about, where like Mighty Mighty Boston's had like a top ten single. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So any, you know, so anything yeah. else? Were you also a swing dancer, Leon? No, 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 no. I will. I, 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 I was not. I never got into that. Not uh, you were not a cherry popping daddy or anything like that. Thank God. No, I don't. I don't like that shit. Uh, <laughs> I remember my dad. I remember my dad uh, was. We were in the car, and I like insisted on putting on Scott, and he was like, "You know, son, this is a very emotionally limited genre of music." Ooh. Damn. Damn. Dad hits you with the hammer on that. He's Dude. Right. What, was your dad a music guy? Was he like into good shit? Yeah, we have a funny history in terms of music. Uh, he, you know, so my family moved to America from Russia. Uh, I was five. My, my dad would have been, uh, uh, I don't know how, how old. Um, anyway, like in his thirties. Um, and he, um, he was, you know, he's a Russian guy. Uh, he and my mom like listened to certain like Russian folk and pop music in the house a little bit, but there's this whole genre of, of Russian music, uh, basically just like acoustic guitar and singing. It's sometimes based on poetry. Anyway, there's a lot of that in my house, but then at some point my dad started listening to American pop and, um, he really got into it. And he like, he loved, he loved what he called chick rock. Uh, he loved like, uh, anything with a female, he loved Alanis Morissette. Um, he he loved uh, <laughs> like Fiona Apple. Um, this is so your dad, your your Russian immigrant dad was like a Lilith Fairhead, a hundred percent. Yeah, this is 100%. very cool. This Love is it. very very cool. <laughs> and then he got really, and, and then he like we like heard Eminem on the radio, and he was like, I can't believe this. Like he and he was it was lose yourself was the song, and he just like. What? He, he loved it. He loved it. He, I would play. I remember there was like a summer or a year when <laughs> Eminem was just like constantly releasing disc tracks, like the Benzino disc tracks and like the Ja Rule stuff. And it was just a constant like MP3s I was downloading, for, you know, from onto like my Winamp or whatever. And uh, I would play. I would just play him the new the new ones every week. I would see him like <laughs> divorce. I would see him on Saturday. Just play him the new Eminem, and uh, he was really uh, he was really into it. He loved it, and he loved Eight Mile. I'm <laughs> I'm trying to find the line between like traditional Russian music based on poetry and then the the poetry of Eminem. That's I, what I, I think Pops to- just likes good music period and it doesn't matter <laughs> what how it chooses to show its form. Damn, that is he loved, so he hot. He loved hot in here. That was one of, that was like a gateway for pop, like for real pop. <laughs> I mean, I want to know, you know, if he if he's questioning the the intellectual capacity of ska music 
you know, hot in here is is not really offering much either. <laughs> That's true, but it's it's That's a little true. more. I should have, I should have said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you're a full retort, but he's, it's a little more fun, <laughs> I guess. I think it's I think I think hot in here is a little more fun than ska in general. I just remember he just like couldn't believe it. He was like, I can't believe they're saying you know they're saying this stuff. So he like was the, the girl, the girl part. Where yes, he was shocked by, by the content alone, and that reeled him in. <laughs> yeah, I think so. He was like, he was, he found it fresh. That is an extremely cool story. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I love that because my parents weirdly <laughs> didn't really listen to music when I was growing up. Like, my dad to this day drives to work with silence. <laughs> Yeah, like, I think before my dad got into music, he was really into Garrison Keillor. I remember he had Garrison Keillor box set tapes in his in his car. Do you have? Uh, do you have? Do you have so older brothers? So this shit brothers? is in your DNA, bro. Yeah, this is in your. What's DNA. that? Oh yeah. <laughs> do you have an older brother, older sister? Yeah, I have a, I have a, I have a significantly old, older half sister and a significantly younger half sister. So the older one is on my mom's side. Uh, she lives in Boston. Um, She's uh, she's in her forties, and, and my younger one is nineteen and lives in Chicago. Shit. So yeah. so did did your did the older half sister put you onto anything, or were you guys not like close like that at that era? She did. She did. Uh, so but, so remember, so she she was like seventeen when she moved to America, and I like I was five, which is a fabulous age to move. move yeah, seventeen's jarring. Seventeen's hard, man. And and, and I think she, you know she, a lot of the American culture that she sort of was was into in, you know in front of me as a 17 year old was stuff that she picked up in moscow back in russia um so she was really into like pink floyd um she was really into the beatles which i which i obviously got into also um she was into enya i, I never got i never, <laughs> went, there. Yes. I never went there with her but 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 yeah pink floyd the doors she really liked and but i think all this stuff was the stuff that was popular in russia well what i was about to ask what makes it to russia and why do you think that stuff is popular there it's a great question. There's some really random things that are considered, you know, total Let, classics there. Like, like Deep Purple, I think, is like like disproportionately beloved in, in Russia. Uh, that, that, like, that, that is this, wild. You're right. That's insane. This, I mean, this, I think it's true, like, about every country. Like, I remember I was trying to do a story once on Avril Lavigne uh, and how she was really big in Japan. Actually, actually, it was about Avril Lavigne and a bunch of ska bands that were, that were, that were finding second life in Japan. They were still touring, like, mm-hmm. the Japanese... You know, music listeners love buying CDs. They love buying special edition CDs. And so a ton of, like, people who you will remember are, are still popular there. Um, anyway, in Russia, I think, yeah, it's like, it, it was a function of, I don't know. I, I mean, there's probably entire books written about this, about, like, how, what, is it, what got in. Well, is but, it, I was about to say, is it based on availability? I think so. I think so. I mean, like, Wind of Change is the new podcast uh, from... Oh, yeah, yeah. Keep ...about the Scorpions. It's sort of about this, like, you know, how certain things got past the Iron Curtain. Um, but there's a lot, you know, in, in, in like my, Alice always makes fun of me when I talk about, uh, certain books that like were considered total, like my mom like taught me were certain total classics, yeah. but like, and they, and they were among Russian readers, but in translation, but not, they're like barely, they're barely, barely celebrated here. Like, uh, the bridge of San Louis Ray by Thornton Wilder was like, I was like, <laughs> it was like the first thing I was, I was supposed to read when, as soon as I was like old enough, um, not a book oh. that like a lot of people know here. Yeah. Um, that yeah, was that your was Moby Dick. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, like this, the, 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 the quasi-sequel to All Quiet on the Western Front called Three Comrades uh, by, <laughs> by, by, 
Eric, right? Like, I nope. never, I read, I never read all Quiet Notes and Friends until high school, but I'd read Three Comrades as like a ten year old. If we named, uh, if we named our episodes, we would call this Three Comrades, but uh, <laughs> we, we, we don't, we don't, we don't do that. So, uh, unfortunately, Leon. I, speak, <laughs> speaking of naming, uh, I, I've I've always found that naming things like a podcast or something is is usually the, almost the hardest part of it. Where do you where do you rank on on your ability to name things well? Uh, well, I will confess that slow burn was not originally my idea. I think I, I think I liked it right away in my defense, but it was, it was, uh, the, the, uh, at the time the legal counsel at Slate came up with, uh, with, slow burn uh, is a very good, slow burn. very good. The legal counsel came up with it. What's that? The legal counsel came up with that. I'm sorry, did I couldn't oh, hear you again. I, I was I was asking I was saying the legal counsel came up with that name. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, exactly. The legal counsel came up with that name. Damn, bro. You work with the you work you work with the feds? We don't do that on the side. We, <laughs> they're taking money with... out of the mouths of creatives like you, bro. Damn, man. That's really biting the hand that feeds. But that slow burn is a is a really good podcast name though. It's it's excellent. And yeah. I, I mean, I think that can kind of like I, so oh, I wanted to ask you about the, yeah, I wanted to ask you about the TV deal, baby. Let's talk about Hollywood. Well, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you. Let me tell you real quick that, about about the naming of Fiasco, which uh, since that that's the thing we do now, and 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 I I love the name, and I think it's it's catchy, it's memorable. But uh, what we didn't think about when we named it was that like as soon as we started reaching out to people who were like involved in certain stories that we were trying to tell, like we'd say to them like, hey, like we want to interview you for this podcast about this thing that was part of your life by the way the show is called Fiasco. <laughs> and uh, it was like a really rude way. I just remember the moment when I like, it, it took me like sitting down and writing the first like email request for an interview to like, think about it. It's, it made me, I was just like, how could I not have thought about this? And it just, I, I just hadn't. And so now every time we do it, I gotta be like, you know, it started, you know, with a season on the 2000 election and the Florida recount, which we can all agree was a fiasco. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it, can, it can get tricky. Up, um, yeah, well, we, anyway. we have a show called Fucked Up Stories, and we wanted to see if you want to come on uh, and exactly, tell your story. Exactly. <laughs> Can you yeah. just talk about your life? Like, we'll give you an hour. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, just loose, loose. <laughs> We really, feel, we really feel you embody the, you know, the title of our <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that, um, I think that the, the podcast to television thing is still relatively new and pretty interesting to people. And I, I think that what, what you guys are making makes a lot of sense. And it's a pretty clear line for me to see. But how did that deal come about? And, and how was, what was the workload for you as the creator? Yeah. So, um, that came about because, well, while I was still at Slate, um, you know, I started getting emails from producers and, and, and some, you know, directors and other screenwriters and people who thought there was some adaptation potential there. Um, some people were interested in adapting it for, for like a scripted thing and other people were interested in adapting it for a docuseries. Um, and so I, I had never really been on the receiving end of anything like that before. And so I turned to my buddy, Teddy Blanks, who designs all our artwork and uh, also does screenwriting. Um, and he gave me the name of his manager um, who, who managed him on his screenwriting. Uh, and um, I started talking to that guy, Steve, and uh, Steve, the manager, sort of walked me through the process of like setting up my own deal on the TV yeah. show where I could be an executive producer and, you know, I was the narrator. Um, so, uh, and, you know, he, he sort of walked me through it and, he ended up being the one to sort of steer me 
towards starting a business and, and leaving Slate to, to start Fiasco. Oh, okay. Interesting. That's great. I, I didn't, well, what, how long did it take? Was it like really drawn out? I feel like it wasn't. What, the leading? The, the, the getting, going from podcast to television show, like the process of that. Oh deal. yeah. I, yeah. It was pretty quick for sure. Um, I think the first season started coming out in late 2017 and the show, the TV show came out in May, uh, of wait, is that right? Is that right? Maybe March. I'm, I'm all my, my time is all messed up. I forget, but it came out, you know, it came out this year. Um, yeah, that's pretty fast. That's pretty fast. Yeah, it was fast. I mean, and, and, and we, you know, we, uh, the show, the, the TV show version came out earlier this year. And, um, I, uh, I, I like wasn't sort of involved in like the day to day of like the booking of the guests and the, you know, I, I didn't go on the shoots, but I, I worked with, with, with the production company left, right on the scripts, you know, and giving feedback on, you know, on, on outlines and stuff and, yeah. uh, did a bunch of, you know, line editing sort of while we're recording, uh, the narration. So yeah, it felt, it, it was weird. It was, I, I was weird to make a show, you know, called slow burn after i'd left slow burn uh and was doing another thing um yeah that's just sort of how, how it worked out i uh sometimes I, getting I, that check can be confusing bro that's true bro. <laughs> we we chase this bag at all costs but it's worth it. yeah like the the brain has to catch up i i'm just glad you have an agent and a manager i feel like you're really you're really gonna take hollywood by storm in 2021 thanks man yeah Chris, I actually Chris. just just have a manager it's i think the, i think manager is the new agent well, look, look, I, I, I mean, look, maybe, I mean, look, I, I know you want to save money on those fees. Um, cause all these, exactly. upstate, all these upstate writer camps aren't free. You know what I mean? So I know you gotta, <laughs> I know you gotta save money on those fees. I respect that. Cause you're not, you're not just a writer and a, and a, and a podcaster. You're also, uh, a, uh, you know, a guy who's making money. So you've got to really think about all that stuff. You know what I mean? You got to really consider yeah. it all. And whenever we have a guest <laughs> on the show who is in that situation of making money, Chris always does try to solicit their, their services and become their agent or manager. So no, no, apologies no. Just, in advance. I just like to know, you know, cause I'm familiar with Teddy, um, because of our former guest, Molly. Um, uh-huh. but I yeah, actually, yeah. I, I know his design work, but I did not know he was a screenwriter. So I, I learned something new. Yeah, in fact, uh, just today, uh, the show that he he made, he, he and Alex Karpovsky worked together, and they um, they, oh, okay. they made a they made a they made a show for for um, for FX that is like um, sort of like a, a variety show where it's a bunch of shorts, and so they made a series of shorts for for FX that uh, the the lead uh, actors say got got nominated for an Emmy for it. Oh, I love that. that Teddy Teddy and Alex wrote. Yeah, amazing, amazing, amazing. What's the show called? Uh, oh, Jerome, no. Okay. Oh, Jerome, no. I think you can watch it on Hulu. Damn, all these streaming services, I just can't get confused. We talk about, I said this in the intro, but we talk about these streaming services so much, I need to get a fucking check from these guys. Like, all we do is talk about these motherfucking <laughs> streaming services. Well, all, we all, all everybody does is talk about streaming services nowadays when we have our social distance hangouts. You guys have ads, right? You guys could, you guys could get ads from them, right? We got ads, bro. We, 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 we got some pretty. We had a we had a Romans. We finally got a dick pill ad a couple weeks oh, ago. Oh, well, I I do those too. I do those too. I do and, those for, mm. for uh, the Supreme Court show. <laughs> for five five four has dick pills. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, Welcome to actually, the big leagues, bro. I'm glad well, that you're swimming with us now. That makes sense, actually, because I feel like that's that show could veer to an older customer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Older an older listener. 
who may may require the pills maybe even more than the, than the young well, Chris, the It's young better guys. for the young. It's the best way to cure erectile dysfunction is to never have it in the first place, and that's something that you would know if you learn, read more than just the ad copy. <laughs> I always have trouble, like uh, like you know, they send you the the ad copy, and you you know you want to you want to get you want to do it right for them, but you also don't want to speak in the first person necessarily when you're talking about mm-hmm. talking about the, you know dick pills, and so. Yeah, yeah. I just have to like very carefully like tweak the copy so it's like we all know how hard it is. Like, you mm. know, talk about erectile dysfunction. It yeah, takes me a little heat off me personally. That's <laughs> that's sort of a thing that I am fascinated with of like all the different ways that podcasters have found a way to do ad reads. Um, you know, and some of them and, are and very sleep, and sleep at night. Well, it's but a lot of them, you know, there's a real skill. It's more found on like comedy podcasts, but you know, the art of being able to successfully do an ad read for a product that you're clearly mocking or making fun of and still get away with it and still have them like happy as a brand to hire you. Right. There I, I, I definitely I'm always I definitely couldn't that. pull that off. Yeah, a little, you know, it's it's not something that everyone can do, and 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 we sort of flirt with it as well, but that's a true skill to have. We did a pretty good job on the manscaped body hair trimmer this week, I think. Um, Yeah, not not the best CPM. Don't judge us on that one, Leon. Uh, Yeah, we don't. We're (laughs) we're we're just trying to impress you. You know, we were. You know, and that. that, I thought manscaped would work, but dick pills did the job. So we're gonna miss. Yeah, Leon. for for fiasco, it's it's on uh, on Luminary. Could you um, walk us through? You know, I guess sell sell us on 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 Luminary as a hosting side. Like I'm familiar with it, we know about it, but like, what do you what do you love about it? Yeah, so I um I think you know I think people uh, naturally sort of have this reaction when they are told that the podcast costs money. That's like, why would I pay money for a podcast when I can get podcasts for mm-hmm. free and I can get a, you know most good podcasts are free. Um, mm-hmm. and I totally get that. And I think it, 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 uh, it's one of those things that people got used to, got used to that you can't really, uh, you know, break them of. And, and, uh, I think the luminary's value proposition is that you're getting shows you're not getting anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, fiasco is a, fia- the, the, the pitch to someone who, who doesn't have luminary, uh, but, but, uh, maybe like slow burn is if you, you know, you, if you liked the first two seasons of slow burn, like the guy who made that, and his team uh, are all doing a new show somewhere else. And if you, if you want that bad enough, you know, if you're, if you, if you're, if you're enough of a fan that you are going to be willing to follow them to the mm-hmm. new platform, it, I think it, it can work. Um, and I think uh, there's a, there's a real, I'm, I'm like personally really rooting for it. Not, you know, besides just for sort of personal reasons mm-hmm. that I wanted to succeed, but <laughs> besides, I, I besides that, like, my checking account, I'm also rooting. Yeah. For it. Yeah. I think eventually, I am, you know, I, if, for everybody who pays for HBO happily, you know, that same, you know, I, I think Luminary will have that same success. Yeah. And the or, reason, and the reason I'm like, the reason I like, I like hope it works, not just for myself is that like, I'm not sure that this really sort of expensive narrative audio documentary shows like ours, like can be made on a advertising budget. Like mm-hmm. it, it, you just, you just make a lot less and, and it's, they're hard, you know, advertisers are hard to sell on a, on a new property that, you know, so if you're launching a new, you know, a new narrative series, like, it's got to be a hit before anyone will will bite on it because it's such a it's such a big it's such a yeah. it's such a big investment for any publisher to to go in on uh, a narrative audio doc that um, it, it, you look at you, you compare the you compare the revenue on that for, you know with like 
a show that comes out 52 times a week um, and costs mm. very little to make, it's you know it's obvious uh, what you're going to do um, if you're just trying to maximize your profits. And so, to me, like it would be great if subscription services uh, you know proved that uh, this is this is possible because, or rather, you know, I I want I want I want to see it work because I I think if it doesn't, um, there's going to be fewer shows that 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 sort of take that investment to make. Mm-hmm. What are what are your thoughts on Patreon? Uh, I think it's great. Uh, I, um, I think, you know, I think again, it works better for, for shows that are coming out weekly. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, you really can build a a community, I think, and a, and a sense of interaction between like the hosts and the fans. Mm Um, I think that's harder to do with a narrative show. Um, you know, I think it's it's still pretty intimate. Like people still think, feel like they're with me, like in my head or in my head or I'm in their head. Sure. Um, even though I'm like telling, telling them a story, but I think, yeah, I think it's a little different. I think the loyalty maybe takes a different form. Um, and I also think like, obviously Patreon is speculative, right? Like you kind of, you kind of have to start it and ramp up and hopefully you're making money by the end with a show like ours. Like you kind of need that upfront investment, um, which is why Luminary was like, so kind of a, a lifesaver for us because they, they were willing to give us, a, you know, write us a check, uh, for mm-hmm. production, uh, at the, t- at the front end, you know, and we were able to spend it. And then at the end we had a show and, um, what, um, what, I mean, what, yeah. what, what do you have to provide to them in order to get that check? Do you have to do like a, a spec episode or just an, 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 an outline or that's deck exactly, or that, that's exactly what I was just going to bring up is like, is no, none of that. Like we, they, uh-huh. they trust us to, to produce the show at our, at our standard. Um, you know, we send them, yeah. we send them, early, but, early, but your uh, resume obviously more, more glimmering than others. The proof What's of con- the, the proof of concept is already there for you having a, yeah a maybe successful maybe show. maybe yeah um and yeah I guess I don't know I don't know how much how much of a you know hand they take with other shows but my my sense is that they're very hands off because they don't see editorial as their you know their their value like they're they're not trying to be an editorial department and um that's the other thing I always say when people make fun of Luminary or or, or criticize them it's like this is a company that's like taking venture capital money and like giving it to people to make, you know, new stuff and new ambitious stuff and not asking any questions mm-hmm. uh, and like not looking over the shoulder. It's so rare. Like even, you know, just being on like calls with, you know, various, like whatever, like a network, you know, you just, you, you see how much more hands-on uh, money is in other, in other fields. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know, it just make, it, it makes me, it makes me grateful for it. And uh, it makes me, you know, w- wish people knew, knew that more, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, thanks to shows like yours, I'm sure more people will come around. Yeah. Uh, no. It's, it's, I, I, yeah. I hope so. What do you um, What do you think about the, the 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 true crime podcast bubble that has sort of been going on for the last couple of years? Do you think it will be popping at any point? Oh, I don't know. Seems like no, right? I mean, look at how how long Law and Order was popular. Why, 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 why do, why do white women love true crime so much? That's what you know. <laughs> we're really trying to get to the bottom of this important issue. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I suppose like we tried to we tried to kind of capture some of what people like about true crime, you know, in, in our in the especially in the Nixon season. It kind of feels a little bit like political crime, you know, in the Ron Contra season of Fiasco too. It's sort of like a political true crime show. I think it's just people want to know what happens next. You want to know who did it. I, I don't think I, I kind of think the, the the gore and although actually I was so okay. I should say like, I always thought the gore was secondary. I kind of thought that like 
people like weren't in it for the for the murder. Um, yeah, they were in it for the mystery. But then, but then someone I was talking to someone recently, and they were like, "No, no, no!" Like the murder and the gore is very much like what correlates the listenership. Like the gorier mm-hmm. it is, the better. And so I might just be wrong about that. But for, for me, like the true crime stuff, I have liked. Uh, it's more just like wanting to know what happened. You know. Hmm. I I prefer crimes of passion as well. <laughs> I'm I'm a murder head if I had to choose, but you know that's just me. When I've never done a true crime, but I've never done a true crime podcast. There was one. There's one story I wrote for Slate before I was doing podcasting that I think could be an amazing true crime podcast, and it it like it like took up like a year of my life. Like just I became like totally totally just like immersed in this small town, you know, small city in Alabama. Uh, and this, this, I, I can't even start talking about it cause I'm not going to really get out. But, uh, I, Alice just like, Alice just remembers that period is like a time when I just like, wasn't really available. Like, I was, I was just like thinking about this, this, these people in Alabama, these, like these pe- these people who I, you know, and, and I, and I got really just, I, I'm like, you, you can hear it in my voice. I'm like, I'm getting lost as I talk about it. And so like, I, I, I brought it up to Alice, like, Oh, like maybe I should go back to that and like do a podcast on it. She's like, you can't, you absolutely cannot. Uh, well, I mean, I think it's time to call your manager and tell him, you know, let's sell this shit, baby. <laughs> uh, I'd be in the, I'd be in the doghouse. I think. No, I'm not saying, you, no, you should sell it to somebody else. That's what I'm saying. Oh, somebody like, else. Oh, that's yeah. an interesting idea. See, this is well, why I'm in the business, it. baby. I don't, I don't own it. In... Slate, that, I, I don't own it. Slate owns it, just like Slate owns Slowburn. So, well, you better be, then uh... you need. Th- see, this is what I'm saying, Leon. You need a team. That's why we need a lawyer. So, you know, we got to go in there. We got to go in there. We got to get this shit back. This is your intellectual property. <laughs> yeah, Chris has what it takes to take down the failing Slate organization. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, me and my goons are going to come through and just bang heads until we get this little idea off the ground. I'm not. I'm not feeling up to it at this moment, but I do go through my moments. So in one of my moments, I'll call you. Do you? I'm available. Do you have a lot of podcast <laughs> ideas floating around in your head that you're that you're never going to execute? Uh, yeah, I have a couple. I have a couple that I still want to do. Um, but I've just been. I've been like. I've had to. I. I, I feel like I have to sort of stop starting new ones because I. I think I. I think I have too many. Uh, I think mm-hmm. to keep track of already, but, but yeah, I have, I have a couple ideas that I want to, I want to do. I hope I, I don't know. I hope, I hope people keep listening to podcasts long enough that, um, we'll get, we'll get to all, to all of them, but I can't, I don't know what you guys think. Like, is this forever? Uh, I, th- I think it's forever and I think it's going to get much, much more popular as, as, um, really? as passive listening becomes more, more widespread. Um, uh, you know, where the more that humans are not really interested in in talking to each other without distraction or just like doing anything without entertainment, going to the grocery store or, or walking the dog or whatever it is, I think that's just gonna people are gonna need to have something in their ear at all times. AirPods are gonna get better and smaller. We're gonna be listening to this shit nonstop. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I, I hope you're right. You're like, hell yeah, bro. Hell yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's bag, go, baby. baby. I mean, I agree with you to an extent, Jason. I think that I also, I mean, I've said this before. I think we've talked about it, but like this shit hasn't reached like my parents yet. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, or, I mean, they listen to this sometimes, which is really unfortunate, Uh-oh. but, 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 uh, you know, like in general, like there's so many people that it hasn't touched yet in the middle of the country and all over the world that just don't, that it just hasn't gotten there yet. And I think that, we have a lot of way to go before that happens. 
I think we're in the, the yeah. prime time of it before it kind of gets completely fucked up. Um, and you can still still make some pretty good money doing it without having to answer to the man. I think it's kind of like the 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 record business in the in the nineties, the the last great heyday before it kind of gets taken over by corporate branding <clears throat> and all that shit. I would. I also think the the celebrity, the, le, the like the amount of celebrity podcasts that are going on. I wonder if that will continue to get bigger and take up like you know. It has to mind share or if that or if they'll i mean i guess it's easy money for them so they don't care but a lot of them seem to be doing it like kind of out of vanity like it somebody just gives them the idea and makes it easy for them um mm. but i wonder if that will continue because if you look at charts sometimes i look at charts and it's like you know all celebrities yeah all celebrities i'm like i don't listen no one i know listens to any of these no one i know even talks about this shit so it's like i i think that is the, but i do think that genre will be the one that reaches middle america first because that's just how it works here, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've been I've been hearing a little bit about how you know certain buyers are just only interested in in celebrity stuff. Like if, if there's not a celebrity attached to it, they're not they're not going to hear it. Just like uh, Quibi. Damn, the crooked Quibi strikes again. And just like my <laughs> my uh, my failed EDM DJ career, taken over by the celebrity <laughs> DJ pulling. Uh, Taking money out of my family's mouth. It's fucking bullshit. <laughs> Jason can't feed his kids with those CDJs anymore thanks to some fucking actor. Thanks, Paris Hilton. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. It's bullshit. Um, when when you're when you're recording pods, Leon, do you guys do you have like a personal routine that you get into to or a mantra perhaps? You drinking some honey tea, uh, doing push ups? I, I I've had to drink honey tea like, on occasion when my voice goes out on me uh, and we like have to get something done. Like if it just has to get done that day and I can't wait till the next day for my voice to get better, I'll, I'll drink some lemon tea for sure mm-hmm. with honey. Um, I do have, so I, so, okay. So I, um, I, I had to take vocal coaching lessons a uh, couple, you know, about a year ago because Sick. recording, recording was just taking me way too long because I, I always was a mumbler. Like gr- growing up, I was always a mumbler and I talked, fast generally and and so for whatever reason there's just certain sounds that i have really just have trouble with uh and every season we do there's like a different set of words that are like specific to that season that i can't say without like 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 uh without slurring my words or mm. without like without being like a squelch in my you know in my tongue or something mm. uh you know, I don't want to get too many details here. Like, I make a sound basically. Like, you what, know, I, what's I, an example of a word that's a that's a trigger for you? So, season one of of, of Slowburn uh, about the impeachment of or about the about the resignation of Nixon and the impeachment inquiry. The word was uh, House House Judiciary Committee. House Judiciary Committee. That's a uh, tough one. I, I cannot I cannot say. And then for Clinton, it was it was sexual relationship. I, I, I can see them pretty well now. I, 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 I realize I'm not giving you good examples because I can actually pronounce them now. Mm-hmm. But at the time, sexual relationship was really gnarly for me. Um, it's not great for a lot. Of, it's not great for a lot of us, bro. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> the, the current season, uh, yeah, the current season is like constitutional is really hard for me. Unconstitutional. Um, when I say the word black, apparently my tongue clicks a little bit, um, mm. and so. Uh, you know, so I do, I do exercises. I learned exercises from the vocal coach. And so I have like a 20 minute thing of, you know, breathing techniques and like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Tongue twisters that I say uh-huh. before, before I, before I record. 
Yeah, this, this is, a, this is a glimpse is into the elite podcasting world that we did not know about. Yeah, Jason and I are lucky to get a cold brew to the dome before we start recording. <laughs> like, damn, this this guy's doing vocal warm-ups like he's fucking Whitney Houston. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, this that style of podcasting, I mean, it really is, you know, I guess any, any type of podcasting where it's just somebody talking, you know, to the layman listener, they're they're just thinking like, oh, they're just talking, I can talk, that's easy. But the amount of work and thought that has to go into making something that just sounds neutrally normal is is really tough. Yeah, exactly. And I think like I have to, you know, I, I, I have to slow down and I, I sound unnatural to myself often when I'm recording. Um, I think because I'm slowing down, my mouth is doing weird things. But um, the exercises help, though. I, I was like amazed. I, 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 I'm just, it's just significantly faster to, to record a, you know, an episode after I've done them compared to when I haven't. Um, the mantra, the, there is one mantra, the mantra, it's just like, I think it's like a theater kid exercise, which is, uh, you go, you just do that as fast as you can for as long as you can. Uh, and then you black out in the booth and nail that shit first take. <laughs> Damn. This is Jason. This has been a crash course in elite podcasting and we need to fucking, we might need to. We might need to like really transcribe this and like study it a little more. <laughs> yeah, this is a Patreon now up episode now. Yeah, we, we we just decided to start a Patreon based on this the, the elite podcast. So yeah, send got. us your Venmo because we'll give you thirty three percent of <laughs> how much money we we make off of Manscaped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it won't be much. Our, our CPM is low, but we're willing to share, so that's better than nothing. You know? Damn. <laughs> That's that's a really interesting. Well, I think that that is the approach. You know, it's pro gear, pro attitude, baby. Like you got to come at this shit seriously if you want to make the big bucks. You know, you want to make the best product. You got to come at it professionally. And if you're bad in it, then you can pay us to do it for you guys. All of our (laughs) listeners out there who have uh, lots of money and want to become a podcaster. I'm just trying to minimize my time. My time in the closet recording uh, because it's it's like I hate it. I just, I mean, it's actually nice for for when I'm like. Cause I usually I do it with like a producer in my ear. Like we have a, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're connected over zoom and, and one of our producers is like recording me and, you know, taking note of good takes. And like, it's actually really good time to spend with someone. Like you really kind of, you know, it's like you really get to know a person when you're recording for eight hours in a row, but I still, I still hate it. I wish, I wish I could just, I wish I could just not do it, but uh, I got to do it. As, well, as you close as you've become with your producer, you would also like to not spend hours in your closet <laughs> every day. <laughs> yeah exactly i was thinking well, earlier today how great it would be to i mean would you if you are a podcaster would you be able to buy a infrared sauna and then write it off as a vocal recording booth do you think that's something that could happen interesting idea jason i like where you're going with that yeah i would have to it's one of those line items you have to sneak in i think under, Look, under Leon, talk else. to your lawyer let us know talk to your accountant let us know yeah, we're we're looking to make some investments with our Manscaped money. So, uh, Le- Leon, you know what I've really learned from this conversation is that you you paid the cost to be the fucking boss, man. And you know, I'm I'm just impressed with the the artistry and what all goes oh, into you. it. I mean, I know that I appreciate I, that. I'm aware of some of it, obviously, uh, because I've been doing this long enough to know. But I, I think it is really interesting for people to understand how these shows that become you know, a bigger cultural force and part of the zeitgeist are actually made. And it's not just two guys talking via FaceTime with AirPods in. 
Um, and there's a, there's a reason this shit sounds good. And there's a reason it's so compelling. It's because a lot of work goes into it. Mm. I appreciate that. But I, I, I also like want to be clear. Like, I think they're different lanes, you know, like they're, I think a, the show can be perfect. If it's recorded over FaceTime with two people, right? Like it's, Thank it's you. like a, Thank oh, you. Sorry. So, sorry. Go ahead. Exactly. <laughs> I think the problem the problem you get is when is when people who finance the production of podcasts want to produce <laughs> narrative shows at the cost of a of a FaceTime show. You know, that's yes. where, that's where that's where the conflation bo- bothers me. So, um, but as far as a, as a listener, like I think you know, they're just different different things. Two different things. Well, you know, left brain, right brain, baby. Um, <laughs> Leon, tell uh, tell everybody where they can find you, um, where the show is, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, all right, I'm uh, I am Leon Call on Twitter. Um, remnant of a of a of a joke that I don't remember anymore. Uh, <laughs> Pub Leon crawl. Call. Um, wait, that's it. You're 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 absolutely right. It was Pub Crawl because it was that was the name of my. I worked at the New York Observer out of college, and I and I had a column in the paper about the publishing industry called Pub Crawl, and uh, that's, where, fine, that's where I got Leon Crawl. That was you, you got it from 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 half court. Uh, <laughs> Switch, baby. Nice work, yeah. TJ. Hey, look, I do my research, bro. Don't worry. I read it in the interview. <laughs> oh, so also, yeah. Um, I, I, I was looking at your Twitter. A little side question: note. What is um, what is up with you and and smoking cigs, Jewel, the whole thing? What's your relationship with it? It's active. <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is a pro sig podcast. Not non monogamous, I would say. Mm. <laughs> yeah, this is a pro. This is a pro sig podcast. So you're you're in a safe space, Leon. Yeah, I go back. I go. Been going back and forth. I hope. Well, okay. are you are you back to analog yeah. sigs, or are you or are you jeweling? I'm on vacation right now. So putatively on vacation at the at the house, and so I've been smoking since. I've been here, but um, I'm going to go back to not smoking when I get back home. You got you got yeah, the we, pack of American spirits in the shed. Nobody has to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, I'm just going to go outside for a second, babe, and have a Marlboro Light. I'll be like right back. <laughs> I water the grass a lot too, Leon. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, all right, so Leon crawl, Leon crawl on Twitter. Yeah, that's uh, my Twitter, and then and then the actual the, the podcast you can find at. Um, I think the easiest way to go is uh, luminary link slash fiasco luminary.link slash fiasco i think there's probably a free trial on there uh Mm -hmm. that you can that you can listen to great cool man thanks so much uh thanks so much for having me on i really appreciate it oh Uh, hey man our pleasure guys please you know this is eye-opening for us amateurs so thank you for giving us giving us the 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 college crash course that we don't deserve (laughs) (laughs) thank you and enjoy enjoy your time out there and tell everybody you said what's up I will. All right, right, right. Talk to you soon, man. Thank you.